When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, welcome back um, to each and every one of you. Thank you once again for tuning into the Silver Fortune podcast, whether you're on YouTube or uh, for those of you that are listening on one of the many podcast platforms that this is shared on. Thank you. Uh, got a big announcement coming up um, probably tomorrow, Friday. Uh, so, so stay tuned for that. It'll just be another podcast, uh, video. Um, but, but some big news in that. So, so definitely stay tuned for that. You remember not so long ago, and this is almost humorous to look back at now. Um, but do you remember that one time we, we had that, that Fed chairman who in, in the midst of, of an inflationary surge was, was so naive, uh, was so arrogant to, call that inflation transitory. Of course, that wasn't that long ago that Jerome Powell, you know, spoke those words. And of course, there's been many from the the, the establishment um, and, and many others that maybe aren't establishment, but certainly um, certainly disinflationists that continue to parrot that, um, continue to talk about the current continuing surge in inflation and, and term it transitory. Of course, transitory in and of itself is, is not at all an innocuous term. There's a lot of things that are quite terrible that are transitory in nature. If uh, the purchasing value of the dollar was cut in half in a single year and then inflation stabilized, that would be transitory, um, but it would make it no less damaging. <laughs> it would make it no less, uh, um, um, you know, frightful time for a lot of Americans. I mean, <laughs> transitory is a silly term to use, especially since, you know, in this case, it's not like um, that purchasing power is going to be somehow restored, right? It's not like a stock market crash where eventually it's going to rise again or something like that. No. Uh, generally speaking, uh, the, the trend for the US dollar has been that that any regaining of, of purchasing power has been very minimal and and it's always a long-term trend of of inflation and and of you know declining purchasing power. Well, well, that decline marches on. Uh, we we recently just just yesterday got the uh, new CPI print um, from the I think it's the Bureau of Labor Statistics that puts this out. Five point four percent year over year, um, uh, pretty significant. Continuing, uh, pretty significant surge in inflation that evidently has not slowed down at this point that matches the high um let's see here that matches the june um high from earlier this year uh and and those are both the highest since uh 2008 right um since uh we, we had a surge of inflation back then which was of course followed by the the great recession and, and actually a period of deflation um, 5.4% year over year. Uh, that's a 0.4% month over month for those that are saying this is, uh, this is base effect. This is because of how little inflation we had last year. Well, 0.4% annualized, uh, is, is still 4.8%. Um, 4.8%, 5.4%, regardless, that's high inflation and that is damaging inflation. It's simply not sustainable. Um, if anything, it is likely to lead to a spiral of inflation in the future. Um, 
very high numbers and it's shown it's not it's it's not uh it's not going down anytime soon and we're seeing of course we continue to see this in in various uh, markets, we're of course, seen in the energy markets, which have, you know, I, I've said repeatedly now that we, we can't just say, well, it's the energy markets, they're volatile, they're, they're prone to supply and demand problems. And thus, we should say, well, that's not inflation, that's just supply and demand problems. No, I mean, in, in the energy markets, we should expect to see uh, what's happening in those markets. Um, like I've said before, it's, they're, they're one of the few markets that are that are you know like like many commodities they're they're physical it's a physical market and and it's much more difficult to manipulate that um i know some of you silver and gold people like myself are saying hang on a second you know you can manipulate physical markets sure but but when it you know when when the uh rubber hits the road uh, in regards to the price of oil, natural gas, coal, uranium, um, energy prices, you know, electricity, uh, etc. There's only so much you can do if, if you don't have enough coal, you know, the price of coal is, is going to rise, right? Um, and so we're, we're seeing that in the energy markets. Um, yeah, to some extent, you know, what we're seeing in Europe or China, you, you can chalk that up to, you know, supply and demand, you know, partly, but, but this is a global issue right now. And I, I have no doubt that part of it is of course, um, you know, the, the influx of, of fiscal and, and monetary stimulus that we've seen worldwide in the, in the past year plus, as well as a, a whole lot of it prior to that. Um, you're seeing it in, in a lot of other commodity markets, you know, silver and gold were up a fair bit and, and continued their rise today here on Thursday, um, following that, uh, following that CPI print. Um, you're seeing it in aluminum prices. We've seen it in steel prices. We've seen it for a while in, in lumber prices. I think those have, have certainly moderated. But we continue to see that. And, and I think a lot of us have, have started to experience the effects of this inflation, which, yes, partly are due to supply chain problems, although I, I suspect um, that a large amount of the supply chain problems are actually effect of, of the inflation, not vice versa. Uh, we've seen it in our everyday lives. Um, you know, I think in the past I've talked about uncrustables, right? Peanut butter and jelly and crustables being out of stock, um, just because my daughters like those. And, you know, I, I like it too. They're not too bad, but, but, you know, we've seen it in a lot of other, you know, just normal household products. We've seen it in used cars thus far in 2021. Um, I think the latest one is, is, um, um, like hairstylists or people that work at a salon cutting hair or whatever. Um, I know there's a local one that, that recently, uh, cut their hours significantly because people just aren't, um, working as much. And I think part of that is that, that wages have not kept up with inflation. So of course it's natural to expect, um, a large amount of people dropping out of the, of the labor force. Um, I know the assisted living that I, that I work at their, their salon just recently, you know, they're looking for a new hairstylist. You know, I think we're seeing that all over the place. I mean, that's the whole scheme of things, a small impact on, on our bottom line, you know, how much it costs to cut our hair or whether or not they're there. But, you know, you take those workers off the market, you're going to see more inflation because ultimately the supply of haircuts is going to be going down. There's fewer people to do it. And you're seeing it in much more impactful um, uh, parts of the labor force as well. Um, healthcare is dealing with this. Um, um, uh, trucking, you know, driving trucks, transport, uh, transportation, you're seeing it as well. Um, and, and somebody pointed out, I think this was on Twitter yesterday, you know, well, what happens? We have a trucking shortage and what happens when all that freight, uh, finally gets unloaded, you know, <laughs> that, that is currently off, off the shore, uh, mostly on the West Coast. What happens when they start opening up those ports, um, and, and start offloading that 
not opening up, but opening up more and start offloading those boats at a faster pace. You know, what is, how are they going to get out of the port? Well, you know, trucks and trains, right? Trains can only take so much. And, and the same thing goes for trucks. And hey, guess what? Rates go up and guess what? Inflation, right? Um, you know, this is, this is something that is, is unlikely, I think, to, to stop anytime soon. Um, we just gotta, I think today we had the PPI, um, uh, the producer price index, uh, jumped to a, a, uh, a new, you know, recent high, um, in this case, 5.5% month over month, of course, annualized, that's a uh, 6%, um, year over year, 8.6%, um, that's the highest it's been in a, uh, in a long time. <laughs> um, uh, pretty significant. And of course, you know, that's something that gets carried on to, you know, passed on to the consumers in the form of, of inflation and, and a rise in the CPI. And I think we have to remember, you know, Zero Hedge, I'm getting some of this data from them. They have a, uh, a comparison between, um, PPI, uh, this is CPI for urban consumers. That's oftentimes a CPI that's quoted, um, versus, uh, the PPI, uh, final demand year over year. And, and what we're seeing right now is that, you know, it, it'd be easy to say, well, you know, PPI rising is why inflation has risen and, and, you know, as soon as PPI comes down, so will in CPI. But, but the problem here is that there's a pretty significant gap there between PPI and CPI, uh, 8.6 versus 5.4 year over year. Uh, what, what that means is that there's a, a strong pressure on, on producers and, and on, you know, businesses ultimately to, to increase prices on that end product, which has a direct effect on the CPI. So if anything, this PPI has, 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 is far from kind of running its course in terms of its effect on CPI and is going to continue to put pressure on CPI, right? Another aspect that's going to continue to put pressure on, uh, the CPI is the, uh, the cost of, of rent, uh, the cost of housing here in the United States, which is on a tear recently, of course, in many markets. Um, and, and one aspect of the CPI, one, one part of that calculation is what they call the owner's equivalent rent of primary residence. Um, OER for short, CPI OER, uh, w- which has been rising significantly, um, in, in, uh, in recent months. And, and what's really interesting about it is that it's essentially following, um, the, you know, the actual price of rent, the actual year over year price of rent. Um, this is, uh, the apartment list national average year over year. Um, currently sitting at, at around 15%. Um, the CPI OER, because of course the CPI is, is a, generally understates in, on inflation pretty significantly, has been trailing this by, by a few months and, and is currently, uh, sitting at, at, uh, just under 3%. So, so what that means is that there's a significant rise in the CPI, uh, you know, housing portion of the CPI in the coming months as it catches up with, you know, the actual price of rent. And, and again, you know, that's going to, be reflected in the overall CPI number. You're going to continue to see high prints um, that will continue to rise. And and keep in mind, everyone, that this is still uh, the CPI, like I said, which historically, and I think continues, to understate inflation pretty significantly through, you know, hedonic price adjustments and and substitutions and, and, and a whole lot of other, um, you know, financial wizardry or statistical wizardry, which basically is, has made it look like inflation hasn't been as bad as it actually has been over the past um, um, few decades. 
it's it's only going to get worse. You know, at some point you have to ask and ask yourself, you know, am I am I going to to sit here worrying about inflation rising or am I going to do something to prepare for it? You know, I, I thought, you know, before doing this podcast that maybe I'd talk more about this idea of, you know, should we be um, cheering on the rise of inflation or should we be dreading that? I think, you know, maybe it can be a little bit of both. But regardless of what we do, it's 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 going to happen. Right. This rise is going to continue. And I don't know how, how it ends. Does it does it stay at north of five percent or between five and ten or, you know, in that ballpark for a number of years before it comes back down? Um, does it quickly jump from five to 15 to 25 and, and pretty close? We're at a very high inflation, potentially hyperinflationary spiral. I don't know. But what I knew, what I do know is that that transitory is a terrible term for it, um, both because it, it you know, it's, it's a very ill-defined term and, and five years is still transitory, right? Or 10 or whatever. Um, and, and it also understates the actual true damage that occurs because of that. You know, these rising prices are going to continue to put pressure on rising wage, on wages. Um, it's going to continue to put pressure on the supply chain and on energy markets and on commodities. Um, a lot of those things, um, are then again reflected in the inflation numbers. It's, it's going to continue to, um, you know, put pressure on, on, on the government and in terms of, you know, we saw the, the rising cost of living, um, that, that was announced yesterday by social security, one of the highest, um, raises in, in a very long time. Uh, it's going to continue to put pressure on those things and it's going to continue to put pressure on precious metals, right? Mm-hmm. You can't just suppress a market forever on, on the basis of a narrative of, well, if eventually the fed's going to tighten, um, at some point, I mean, if inflation, if the new norm for inflation is between five and 10% and, and the whole, you know, the Fed and their entire framework is, is based on inflation being between zero and 2%, you know, ideally in their world, 2% over the long term. But in reality, according to their numbers, the, the PCE and the CPI, you know, between zero and two, you know, at some point, um, at some point that framework no longer fits reality and, zero percent interest rate policy qe i mean that's just not going to fit that's going to drive further and further inflation um the fed's got to hike if if they want to stop that but of course the problem with that is that you know a highly levered system um a highly indebted system you, you only can raise rates uh you know so much and and it's gonna be well below um the actual rate of inflation you can actually end up with a situation where raising rates um if you're behind the curve which i mean the fed would 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 absolutely crash the entire system if they if they actually made an attempt to get ahead of this curve of inflation. As long as you're behind the curve, it's going to continue to to spiral until you have some other event happen. Either either you know the the, the terminal stage of that currency, that hyperinflationary cycle, um, or else some other external event that that is going to to lead to significant deflation or something. You know, I, I don't know what it. You know, how does how does um you know, central bank, um, digital currencies play into this. How does global trade and globalism? It's hard to say, um, but it's only a matter of time. And, and regardless of if we, you know, we're cheering it on or dreading it, it's happening. And, and I think we have to prepare accordingly. So, um, be sure to hit that bell notification button. If you are here on YouTube, certainly to subscribe to my channel or podcast, if you're listening on the podcast platform and I will, uh, like I said, I got a big, um, announcement coming up here so definitely be on the lookout for that as always i'd like to thank every one of you uh, from the bottom of my heart for tuning into this podcast and god bless